Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Light, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. Good morning, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, which is, I think, few of you, I am Mikey, I'm the youth pastor here at LifePoint, and I love what I do. Alright, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 6. Probably one of the most famous Bible stories that there is. Uh, Everybody was taught this in Sunday school growing up. Everybody had the, the little analogy uh, on the flannel graph, flannel gram, whatever it was called. Uh, but if you're there, we're reading out of the Holman Christian Standard Version. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias, and a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. So Jesus went up on a mountain and sat down there, was his, there with his disciples. Now, Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. Therefore, when Jesus looked up, he noticed a huge crowd. you think he would have seen it beforehand, but he looked up and was like, oh, there you are. Saw a huge crowd coming. I lost my place. Sorry. All right. Therefore, when Jesus looked up, he noticed a huge crowd coming toward him. He asked Philip, where will we, be, where will we buy bread these people can eat? He asked him this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 denarii would not be enough to buy bread for each of them. He answered, they would only have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Then Jesus said, have them sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. They numbered, the men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves and fish as much, uh, excuse me. Then Jesus took the loaves and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftover so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. So we're going through the series called The Voice, and it's essentially the red letters in the Bible with things that Jesus said. And this week, what we're saying, Jesus says, what can you offer? And so many times in, in these types of messages, people say, what can you offer? They're talking about, what can you write a check for? Or... How often can you volunteer in the nursery program? Or how often can you do something that benefits this church? But we're talking about when Jesus asks, what can you offer? You see, as Jesus is traveling through the years that he performed his ministry, he kind of gets this reputation for doing awesome things because he did. Jesus did cool things. So people are like, hey, there's this guy named Jesus and he heals the sick, and he, he lets the blind people see, and he makes the deaf hear, and he does all these things. And so 
everybody knows somebody with a problem, or maybe they themselves had a problem. So we're like, let's go find this guy who has the answers. And so from town to town, you can imagine the numbers grew. kind of has this Forrest Gump running effect on it. Just the farther he goes, the more people go behind him. So all of a sudden, there are 5,000 people, 5,000 men behind him. And so Jesus is, he's with his disciples and they just got across the sea and they're sitting down and Jesus looks up and says, oh, there's, there's close to 12,000 people here probably. And so then my favorite thing about this is he says, then he tested, tested his disciple. Because he says, how, how are we going to feed all these people? Tell me, how, how are we going to feed them? They're hungry because how many know that when somebody is preaching, the greatest distraction in the world is hunger? <laughs> and so you can imagine Jesus probably at this point in this, what's so cool about this passage, this is one of the few passages in the four Gospels as mentioned in all four Gospels. Each of the Gospels has an account of this happening. And one of the versions actually says, Jesus, these people are going to leave if you don't feed them. You know, Jesus, you're getting a little long-winded. We need to put some bread in these people or they're piecing out. But nonetheless, so in this version, I love this one because he says, Jesus knew what he was going to do, but he asked anyways. So he goes, hey, where are we going to get the money to feed these people? And he goes, we don't have that kind of money to feed 12,000 people. And then... There's this young lad. Um, Kelly, will you bring me the thing I left in the seat? And so many times we see this analogy of this little boy comes up with these two, like, sea trout and five giant loaves. No, that little boy, chicken of the sea, pack of saltines, okay? This is the little boy's lunch. No, no mother packs their son a l- lunch with these giant fish. And so we get this idea that Jesus has these like two large, beautiful fish. No, it was, it was a little boy's lunch. It looks something like this. So you can imagine the, the humor almost when, when, when this disciple comes up and goes, well, we, uh, we got a place to start. See, this little boy has a can of tuna and some Ritz. Your, your, your move, Jesus. But here's what's so cool. When it says Jesus already knew what he was going to do, do you think that when he asked, how are we going to feed this people, he knew they were getting fed either way. He knew that these people were going to get fed. All he needed was someone to offer something that nobody else would offer. And so we're going to start out, in order to offer, we've got to be in arm's reach. Because if there's 5,000 men and, you know, close to probably 12,000 people total, one person we record stepped up to offer something. It doesn't say they took up an offering and there wasn't enough. It didn't say that, well, combined they had about, you know, a bucket of fish. We, we get... In only one gospel in John, a record of anybody giving an offering. 
See, in the other three Gospels, all it mentions is the fish and the loaves. It never mentions the boy offering it. And what's so unique about the Gospels, for those who may not know, all four tell the same story. But it's almost like we have four different camera angles looking at the life of Jesus, all from four different perspectives. And so each one has a little bit of a different perspective or an angle on what's going on. And so John sees something in here where he says, this little boy needs to be mentioned. But this little boy is within arm's reach of Jesus. Because obviously the disciples are sitting there talking, Jesus, we've got to feed these people. How are we going to feed these people? Jesus, Jesus. There's 12, 12, 12 disciples going on and on and on, bugging Jesus. How do we feed these people? They're going to leave. What do we do? How do we do this? I don't know. And so this little boy wanted to get close enough to Jesus that he was able to hear when there was a need. See, this little boy had the desire to get close to Jesus, not because he expected there to be a need, not because he was like, let's see what I can do for Jesus today. Most likely, he was just so excited to be in the presence of Christ that he had done all that he could through 12,000 people to get as close to Jesus to where he can hear people go, how do we feed people? He was close enough to the heart of Christ when a need arose. All Jesus had to do was reach out his hand and take what he offered. And to us, I'm going to go ahead and start by saying, if you're wondering, well, is God really wanting me to offer anything to him? I don't have a whole lot to offer. You know, maybe I'm not that talented or I don't think I'm that talented. I probably don't have anything to offer. First off, yes, you do. And yes, he does. There's something that everybody can offer. If a little boy can offer his lunch, if a little boy can offer, and here's what's funny, is most likely the adults, let's say there's an adult who brought some chicken of the sea, chunk light tuna and water, brings it, he probably thinks, well, you know, Jesus probably could do something with this, but I don't want to look stupid asking Jesus, hey, I know there's, there's like 12,000 people here, but here you go, I, um, this may help, I don't know. No, but the only one who had the courage enough to even propose a solution or something to offer what he had was this little boy. So the little boy had the strength to do what was necessary. And so maybe we have something that we want to offer, that we want to offer to Christ. And we think, it is so stupid. But it's not. You know, there's a guy who is actually, he's actually a pretty famous preacher. And he prayed a prayer that most people would think was kind of, was kind of strange. He says, God, I don't want to be a millionaire. I want to give like a millionaire. And so in his mind, he had this idea that he was going to do something and God was going to Bless him with these millions of dollars. And he was ready in his heart to give it all away. And it sounds like such a good idea, but it just nothing, nothing ever happened. Nothing happened to where he just, he kept trying. And he's like, God, I want to, I want to be us to be able to have the kind of income or have the kind of disposable income where we can just, if someone has a need, we can just meet it right there. You know, my heart's in the right place. I'm genuinely unselfishly asking you 
to bless me so that I can bless others. And it's this idea, it's like, well, you know, he's probably selfish and just wanted a yacht. But he says, genuinely in my heart, I wanted, I wanted this to happen. And so he was an author as well, and he, he had written this book, and he just kind of wrote it as, as a devotional series, and it wasn't a big deal. But he wrote it and donated the book, essentially, to the church. And so this is yours. Any, any small proceeds that happen with this book, I want, I want the church to be able to, to take and I want you guys to use it. It's just, this is my small offering. And didn't think too much about it until it went on a bestseller list. Anybody ever read the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan? See, because he wrote that book and was obedient to Christ and had this huge plan, God was able to provide the means to bless so many people. And it seems crazy to say, God, I want you to make it so that I can give like a millionaire. Until God says, okay. And so how many people were blessed because somebody had this crazy idea of, God, rather than bless me, allow me to bless somebody else. And in the process, he didn't become rich. And it's stories like these that gather me to realize that God is more concerned with my unique abilities than my net worth. It's so, it's, I've, I've talked about this a lot on Wednesday nights and a lot on Sunday mornings when I've been up here, is that one of the best ministries you can provide is buying the person's lunch behind you in a drive through that's, that's to me, that's one of the best, because I've seen it happen so many times. But the greatest ministries often happen outside of money. You know, well, well, money is what pays for the building that ministry comes out of. Okay. But when real ministry happens, when real ministry, when somebody is genuinely being blessed and having their life altered, it is almost always absent of money. Are there financial needs? Absolutely. But are there times when sometimes the hurt we experience, sometimes the the fire that we're walking through, sometimes this pain and struggle that we're walking through when we're crying out for someone to put an arm around us, for someone to put a loving hand on our shoulder, those times that we've all had when we realize that something we need that money cannot fix. And quite frankly, here's the thing. Okay, fun, fun, fun little game. If you are in possession of at least one dollar, whether it be physically in a bank account somewhere, if you have at least one dollar, one dollar, okay? Hands around the room, one dollar, okay? Now, how many people can sing? How many people can publicly speak? How many people have walked through something that you know, and you have to raise your hand for this, but you know that you've walked through something 
that maybe nobody else in the room has. You've walked through something that everybody else may may not even fathom how deep the hurt you may have gone through ever experiencing something. How Christ literally reached his hand into a pit and pulled you from it. How Christ delivered you from something that was so strong that there's no way that you could ever imagine anybody else could go through it. And suddenly when we look across the room and say, well, everybody's got a dollar. But only you have your testimony. And let me tell you this. Sometimes writing a check is the easiest thing. Being who Christ called you to be and not what somebody else to be is so much bigger than anything we could ever imagine. Even the disciples, when Jesus said, how are we going to feed these people? And he's like, well, we don't have enough money. Christ wasn't looking for money. In fact, he fixed the problem without spending a penny. We, get, we have this, this North American perspective of that money can really fix anything. You know, well, if the church has enough money, then we can buy the right building, we can have the right live show, we can have all this. Oh, and we can pay somebody to fix this problem. The church should not be in the ministry of outsourcing ministry. When the people of God are within arm's reach of Him, when the people of God are close enough to where they can hear Him, the people of God are ready to give an offering of something that they only possess. Money's really not needed as much because the people of God are taking steps forward to do the work of Christ. People of God are taking the proper action to make sure that, hey, hungry people have food. Cold people got jackets. Hungry dogs got a dog food. The people of God are taking active steps to make sure, hey, the old widows, their grass is cut. The people who may be less fortunate, you know, we got, we got them taken care of. The kids that can't go to summer camp, hey, you know what, we're going to make a way for that to happen. You know, when the people of God start taking action, that's when ministry happens. And here's, here's what's crazy, is that it's such a novel idea to think that I can offer something to God that nobody else can. I just can't think of it. What can I do that nobody else can? And here, here's the fun part. I can't answer that. I can't tell you what you can offer that nobody else can. But you can't ask yourselves these questions. What do I enjoy doing that nobody else enjoys doing? And if you're not sure, ask your spouse. What, what is it that I do that I'm good at and that I enjoy doing? Because when it becomes an offering, we can't offer something to God that we don't already have. Little boy can't go offering fish and crackers if he doesn't have fish and crackers. See, in order to offer something to Christ, we have to be in possession of it ourselves. And so that right there already kind of eliminates some of the possibilities. Well, am I called to preach? Well, can you publicly speak? Not really. Well, maybe not. 
I don't sing on stage for a reason. I can't sing. You're welcome. (laughs) Ask what can I do? And that starts opening. Well, what do you want to do? Well, I don't, I'm not real fond of babies. Probably don't want to be in the nursery. What can I do? Because we're offering something to God. We're not just giving Him what we think He wants. And there's a difference. And we're going to camp out here for a minute because offering and giving are two separate things. Offering and giving are two separate things. And so, so, many, so, so often when we're, we're passing the, the bag around or the church group and had the plate or whatever it may be, when we say, oh, your tithe is offering, you're giving, it, offering and giving kind of gets meshed into the same idea. And it's, it's really so, so different. And I was, I was struggling with how to figure this out. How did I actually describe how offering and giving can be two different things? And then last Sunday, something funny happened. My wife and I, we live on about seven acres or so out in the middle of nowhere, and we have a lake. Well, last Sunday, it rained a lot. And so my wife's like, why don't we go down and see how full the lake got? Why not? So I drive my truck down to the lake in mud and then get back up to the house almost to my driveway. And then, wow, okay. You know the next picture? That happened. And what you don't see is the four-wheeler in front of the truck that had to pull me out from the side of my driveway. I'm just going to brag for a second. This was my wife's like second time ever driving a four-wheeler, and you could see her smiling from behind <laughs> as she is pulling my truck out of the mud with a four-wheeler. And when I say five feet off the driveway, I'm not exaggerating. And so... For those of you who know, my grandparents live just across the field from me and my wife. And so about the time we get to this point, they pull in their driveway. And I thought, I better go tell them before they just ask questions. And so I walk across, and it had been raining, and so we're both soaking wet. And walk across, and I'm like, funny story, actually. <laughs> tell them what happened. And, they, and the first thing my grandmother says is, do y'all want some coffee? And I said... No thanks, we're going to go change and get some coffee over at our house, but we appreciate it. So we said, ha ha, it's funny, we talked for a second, and then we went back across. Now let's say that she would have done like many grandmothers do, and just bolted inside, come out with two big cups of coffee. And I love coffee, and coffee can solve almost any problem. That's why it's back there, because people need prayer and people need coffee, so but runs out and gives us this coffee, and it's like, yes, that is, that's kind of what we needed. But we're still standing outside in the rain and wet clothes in 50-degree weather. But we got coffee. But are we really better off than we were? I mean, the coffee helped some, and it really was the right remedy, and she just gave us coffee, but... Instead, she offered us coffee. Offering gave opportunity for us to say, no thanks. She was offended that we said no. We weren't offended that, you know, she didn't run in and get us some. But, 
What that allowed us to do was go home, change, dry our hair off, and then get coffee. So we were ready for coffee because we had taken the steps to get warm. We had taken the steps to get where we were we were ready because shivering in the cold just because you got coffee doesn't fix any problems. And so many times we want to just rush in and say, God, this is yours. Here you go. You can have it. Here, church, this is my talent and ability. Let, let me just serve. I'm going to serve right now. Let me just go. To, before we're really ready for it to happen, before we're ready for our gift, before we're ready for the offering, if we just run in and give it to somebody, don't give an opportunity to say, maybe that's not right now. Maybe that's wait. We just rush in and give our offering, give our gift, whatever it may be. It kind of voids us the opportunity to use it in its best capacity. So let's say I'm, I feel as if I'm, I'm called to, to preach. Let's say I'm called to sing. Let's say I'm called to start a ministry. And I dive into it long before I'm ready. Long before I've taken the time to get rid of the, the stuff that's causing me to be cold, the stuff that's causing me to not be in full health, maybe the, the clothes that are weighing me down, the things that are dirty and that I need to get rid of before I can get inside to accept what I need. I don't take the time to prepare my heart to get close to Christ. I don't take the time to get on my knees and my face before God and seek His face and say, God, this is my offering to you. When can I use it? What should I do? How should I do this? And I don't prepare in advance enough, then odds are what could have been such a great and wonderful thing just is now just kind of there. Because it wasn't used where it was supposed to be used. See, when we offer something, when we say, God, this is my offering to you. This is what I think I have. I want to offer this to you. And sometimes he may say, not yet. Let's wait. God, I want to offer you my talents and my abilities. And God may say, not yet. You know, if, you, if we're running in a race and we sprain an ankle... And the next day you get up to go run another race. You're not going to be able to finish. Or you're not going to be able to finish in the time that you thought you would. If we don't take time to heal ourselves and prepare for the race. Then I'm not going to be very good at running it. And here's what's so beautiful about all this. Is our last blank is what can I offer that nobody else can? When I offer what nobody else can, there's a business term. When you're starting a new business or creating a new product, anybody ever watch Shark Tank? You're looking for something called the hole in the market. See, every great idea started because nobody else had had it before. Nobody else had created a product that could fulfill this gap prior. 
And so many times after that gap got filled, what do people say? Oh, why didn't I think of that? A self-straining pasta pot? I could have thought of that. <laughs> you know, there's so many ideas that, that there's just this hole in the market for that one guy was crazy enough to say, hey, look, I got this idea. I think it'll work. Let's go for it. And some of these ideas changed the world. You know, because of it, because these crazy free thinkers that took some, a passion they had and turned it into things like penicillin and coffee and <laughs> God bless the Keurig. But because somebody found a hole in the market that they knew that they could fill and then dove right into it. But guess what? When they dove into it, they had taken time to get investors. They researched. They read. And they were prepared. And so that one, when they took that leap to fill the gap that they knew nobody else could, it changed the world. And I'm here to tell you, there is a gap in the world that's just as big as every person in here. There is something that only we can do that's just waiting to be done. And so that's why Christ says, what can you offer? Because, just like He said, where will we buy bread so people can eat? He asked him to test him for he himself. He already knew what he was going to do. Daniel's going to come and play. I want everybody to bow our heads and close our eyes. And as we're, we're seeking inside of ourselves for this, this gap that we know that we're made to fill, this hole in the world that we know that Christ has called us to just interrupt the market and change the world. What is it that we can offer? What is it that I can offer that nobody else can offer? What is it that I can do better that Christ has fearfully and wonderfully made me to do? And with that, Father, we ask You, God, we ask You, as we seek you wholeheartedly, that we can be close to you, that we can be within arm's reach, that we can be close enough to you, that we hear when there are problems that we can fix, that we would have the bravery to step forward and do something, and that we would have the wisdom to know when the time is right. God, that we would have the courage to not worry about what other people would think, God, that we would have the mindset focused on your Son. That we would have, Lord, the hope that you gave us. We thank you, God, above all else. And in all these things, we pray and ask in your wonderful Son's name. And everybody said, Amen.